May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. A picture is worth a thousand words, they tell us. A parable by Jesus, though less than a thousand words, seems to be worth so much more. Jesus packs a lot into today's parable, the parable of the rich man and the poor man, often known to us as the parable of Lazarus and Dives. There are a lot of lessons in there, a lot of things to think about. Some of them are quite obvious. This is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus talks specifically about Hades and about being tormented in the afterlife. It is a theme that comes up early and persistently in this parable, and so you don't have to look too hard for it. The moral of the story is, don't be like the rich man. You don't want to end up where he went. But that moral uh, of that parable makes the rest of it seem all the more frustrating. Because now that we know that we don't want to go there, we really want to know what on earth did this man do to deserve such torment? And that can be a little hard to figure out. It looks rather easy at first glance, doesn't it? Jesus begins... There was a rich man who feasted sumptuously and dressed well. He died and went to Hades. That's all we get to know about his life, leading us to draw what seems to be the logical conclusion. He went to hell for being rich. But is that all that's going on here? As someone who spent way too much time studying these things, I have to say, if Jesus wanted us to draw that conclusion, why didn't he end the parable there? But he didn't. And the man's actions after his death reveal a lot more about his character. He is tormented by heat, but it seems he is also tormented by the lack of servants and toadies. His prayer is not just for water, but for someone to serve him water. The inference is that in his death, as presumably in his life, he viewed the poor man and probably everyone else only in terms of benefit to him. In life, Lazarus had nothing, and so the rich man ignored him. In death, however, Lazarus has something that the rich man wants, cool, comforting water. And so the rich man assumes that it is the poor man's job to bring it to him. He doesn't see Lazarus as a man who deserved a reward or a rest after a hard life. He sees Lazarus only as someone to be bossed around and used or ignored. Even when Abraham denies him his first request, he doesn't stop. 
Well, if that poor man can't serve me, can he be a messenger to my family then? No, says Abraham. One could only assume that perhaps his family wouldn't have seen him or listened to him either, being an outcast as he was. The parable doesn't end there either, though, because Abraham spells out one final lesson. Listen to Moses and the prophets. Now, you may be wondering, what does that mean? We know we don't want to go where the rich man goes. What of all of that does we, do we need to know? And yet, I believe it is the continuation of what Jesus has been telling us all along. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. These commandments put the final nail into the coffin of the rich man, as it were, for the rich man seemed to love only money and invested only in himself. He did not love God, and he showed no love for the neighbor just outside his gate. Who are the neighbors just outside our gates? The people we pass without seeing them until they have something that we want. A quick glance around downtown tells us that most people don't even acknowledge those standing on corners begging on the street anymore. Don't say hello, let alone tell them, I'm sorry, I have nothing to spare today. Those poor beggars are Lazarus every day. But I think it's worth expanding our view a little. Several months ago, I was in Target when my cell phone rang, a parishioner calling me to update me on someone who was in the hospital. And so I had to take that call, even though I was in the checkout line. But when I hung up, I looked up and apologized to the cashier there for being so rude as to engage in a conversation right in front of her. Oh, it's nothing, she said. People do that all the time never looking at her or acknowledging her, kind of like Lazarus. I think the problem is far beyond that. A recent study noted that when people say, I love you to a spouse, about 30% of the time, it's followed by a but. As in, I love you, but I wish you would empty the dishwasher once in a while. Or, I love you, but why can't you replace the toilet paper roll when you finish with it? Which is all a way of saying, I love you, but I'm going to do things my way. So that the words, I love you, really come to mean something else, something conditional. And people learn that when they hear, I love you, they should brace themselves for criticism or hurt. That's not love. That's ignoring people until you need something from them, even 
your closest family. A few days ago, I finally watched the film Spotlight. I'm a little slow on the Emmy award-winning films. The film struck home because I lived in the Boston areas in the years right before the start of the film. But what also struck me about the film was the way to which people in the entire city, not just the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, were willing to disregard children who were being hurt for the sake of something bigger. To dismiss the individuals making complaints, saying they were isolated incidents or druggies or emotionally disturbed. To not see the children suffering right there outside the church gates. A few days ago, we saw yet another video of yet another unarmed black man being shot by yet another police officer, allegedly while he was trying to get help. And yet again, we start to hear the stories dismissing this case or this individual because he was big and therefore scary, just as we've heard other incidents dismissed because the individuals involved had a criminal record or were unemployed or in a bad part of town or countless other reasons. But the fact is that when these individual shootings are treated differently, when the cases are not investigated or dismissed, when the officers return to duty and in some cases go right back to harassing black people, communities feel like Lazarus, ignored. A few weeks ago, I was downtown and passed a young black man wearing a t-shirt that said, quite simply, I matter. My first instinct as a priest who was actually heading to the cathedral at that moment was to hug him and tell him, of course you matter. Everyone matters. Every human being is a beloved child of God. Everyone matters. But as I read the gospel today, I imagined Lazarus wearing such a t-shirt. Wearing it as he lay just outside the gate, ignored by the rich man. Because to God, Lazarus mattered. It's just that the rich man didn't seem to notice. To God, everyone matters. Black, brown, red, blue, white, adult, child, rich, poor, boy, girl, all created by God. All beloved. And the tragedy of ignoring people is that we don't know what they might have become. The reading from Jeremiah today reminds us that God has a plan. In the midst of a war, in the midst of impending attack and siege, God tells Jeremiah, go and buy a field. It is a promise that one day the war will be over and he will be able to go and plant the feed, field to grow and nourishing food. In the midst of desolation, God tells Jeremiah to have hope. Do not bury your money. Do not spend it only on yourself. Have faith. Invest in the future. Because things will not be dark forever.
We live in times of desolation. We are surrounded by warnings that people are dangerous. We should not trust others. We are told those who are different, those who have problems. We should not share our own problems, we believe, for fear we will be victimized or dismissed. We would rather be the rich man building up walls for ourselves than poor Lazarus lying hurt in the public square. But what we don't know is what God had planned for these people. For Lazarus, for the person begging on the street, for the clerk at Target, for the people abused in Boston and elsewhere, for the people being shot across the country. Each of them was capable of love and of making the world a better place. Each of us is capable of doing the same, of empowering others. But in order to do that, first, we have to go out beyond our gates and see the people there. We have to see them as God sees them, as worthy of love. And we have to invest our time in building a relationship with them, in showing them love even if it doesn't pay off immediately. Yes, the moral of the parable is don't be the rich man investing energy only in himself and his own comfort. Don't be the rich man seeing others only as a means for what he can get from them. Follow the path of Jeremiah. Walk out in faith knowing that someday the desolation will be over. Invest in God's plan. Spend your time outside, your energy to see and engage each person that you meet. Invest in love. Amen. <laughs>